So you're listening to Let's Stay Together, which is a podcast about the series First Basket by Natsuki Takaya, the manga and the anime series. Um, and I'm Ellen. I'm Kayla. <laughs> and today we're talking about the first two chapters of the First Basket manga. Um, so we're going to do just kind of a summary. I'm going to I'm gonna read to you my summary um, of everything that happened in the series. And then we're going to discuss what happened. And then at the end, we'll play some music. And then we're going to have our kind of spoilery discussion about how these two chapters fit into the series overall uh, for people who want to listen to that. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> So the first, so we, so let's begin then. Uh, so the first, the first chapter opens, it opens with an omake in the, um, in the uh, bound Tokyo pop version. Um, and the omake is Yuki piling more trash on this pile of trash at their house, which is the best. <laughs> the next thing that happens is that we, the, the actual opening of the story opens with uh, a girl stepping out of a tent uh, on a bright sunny day saying it's going to be a hot one and she uh, says goodbye to a photo of her mother and then leaves the tent um, and the tent the tent is huge which I think is funny <laughs> I don't know why there's something about it that's like when I think of a tent I always think of like a small tent I think the uh, producers of the first anime agreed with you because I watched <laughs> the first couple episodes and it's a much tinier tent yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't know it, it's like it's big enough for like a whole bed and then some books yeah. and stuff like, I mean, I guess if you're going to live in a tent, you should live in a luxurious tent, but... Yeah. Um, this is unreasonable. This child should suffer more. Yeah, definitely. She should <laughs> She should be suffering more. Um, you know, just living in a tent isn't enough. It better be a small tent. Um, so she also... She leaves a tent and she decides that she has a bit of time, so she wants to explore uh, the woods where she's living now. And I also... I don't understand how she has time for school. Like, I'm not a morning person. We always had to be at school super early, and I was like, forget this. Um, you can tell Soru isn't <laughs> running late because she doesn't have a little bit of toast hanging from her mouth. No, she's on time for sure. She's leisurely, or maybe she doesn't have food. I don't know. <laughs> <We> also, <laughs> she doesn't have a toaster, so <laughs> as far as we know, which is a little sad, but whatever. Um, so she, how she is eating. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about it until just this moment. We've already <laughs> talked about this. We test recorded this once. <laughs> we never talked about this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. She's probably, maybe she's like going to the convenience store and getting food yeah. or something. Getting all the fresh bread and little and egg salad sandwiches that she can afford. Um, she have a little stack of plastic containers in the corner then. Probably. She's saving them for the burnable garbage, you know? Yeah. So they're, they're neatly sorted in the tent. Yeah. <laughs> they would be though if it was torture. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making that joke. It's a, probably a reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... She finds, she's walking through the woods where she lives and she finds this, uh, she comes across a traditional style Japanese house in the woods. Um, she kind of creeps up to it and she sees that on the porch there are a set of Chinese zodiac ornaments drying. Um, and while she's admiring them, uh, kind of a young looking man steps out and, <laughs> and talks to her about the ornaments. And he's like, I thought you young people were bored by these old fashioned things like the Chinese Zodiac. Um, but Toru is not bored and she asks um, she asks why he why he doesn't have a cat ornament. And this segues into a story about um, about how the animals of the Chinese Zodiac came to be. And the story that Toru tells us is about uh, the story that her mother told her that God invited all the animals to a banquet and the rat told trying to trick the cat told the cat that it would be the not the following day, but two days after. Um, so the next day, all the animals come to the banquet and the um, order that they arrived determined the order of the the years of the Zodiac. So starting with the rat who rode on the ox and then jumped off of the ox right at the end of the, right before going into the banquet. So he arrived first and then the ox and then all the other animals subsequently. Um, and all except for the cat who... Um, who who slept through the banquet because he was led astray by the rat. Um, and the story that Toru's mother is telling in her memory is interrupted by baby crying Toru, saying that she feels bad for the cat that he was left out of the banquet. So Shigure and Toru, uh, or this, this man and Toru talk for a bit, um, and another young boy comes out of the house and bonks this guy on the head um, with a bag, uh, with his school bag, which he says is very heavy. Um, two dictionaries in it. He has two dictionaries. He was prepared <laughs> for just such an event happening. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think he's introduced himself yet, so we'll skip ahead. So Toru recognizes the um, Toru recognizes the boy though as uh, someone from her school. We cut to uh, the school to class one D, where some bitch is sassing Toru for coming to school with Yuki, um, and they demand an explanation. Um, so we learn that Yuki is the prince of the school. He's very popular, and that's why the girls were kind of demanding that Toru explain why she was walking to school with him. Uh, we also cut to this a tall, blonde, and menacing-looking girl, and then also a goth <laughs> threaten uh, the girl who's harassing Toru, which kind of scares her off. So we are introduced to uh, Toru's two friends, uh, Arisa Otani, the blonde girl, and uh, Saki Hanajima, the the goth. <laughs> I'm just going to call her the goth, but <laughs> um, it was the 90s, you know. Uh, we also get an introduction to Hana's Denpa, and she says, like, uh, about the girl who was threatening Toru, um, that she could beep them with her electro-poison waves. I think we'll talk about it in our discussion part. So we cut back to a scene, the the scene that we were at before at uh, Shigure's, or Yuki's house, where Shigure is then introduced. Um, Shigure says that he's Yuki's cousin. Uh, we know that Toru and Yuki are classmates, obviously. And Toru says that she lives nearby, which I think is a, a surprise to Shigure and Yuki. We cut back to school. And now it looks like they're in home ec class, which is, um, so uh, Toru and Hana and Uor are preparing some things and they have this conversation. But the really funny thing is that you can see these people in the background who are like messing up their food and they're like, wow, like you need to add more stuff. And it's really something I didn't notice before. It's really funny. Um, so Toru says that Yuki is handsome um, and Hana says that her kind of wavy powers uh, say that he's, he's weird. And Uo recounts a time that an upperclassman confessed her feelings to him and he pushed her away, um, which, you know, is super, super princey behavior. Uh, it's exactly how I'd expect to be treated by a prince, someone who's called a prince. Um, um, so we get a little bit of an introduction to Yuki and his personality and kind of what's uh, going on at the school. They make this meal and the, the teacher comes over and is like sassing them for, for talking, but it turns out that the meal's already perfectly made. So uh, Toru, it's revealed that uh, also in this conversation that Toru is working part-time um, and she uses the excuse of having to pay for school and kind of save for a future. But in her internal monologue, she talks about how she's lying to her friends. She's, she's telling, not telling them that she lives in the woods. She says that she's staying with her father's family. And she also has this, she says that if, if her friends found out, they would be, they would be upset, Ooh, particularly would be outraged. And so she'd burst into grandpa's house on her motorcycle. And I'm just like, <laughs> does she have a motorcycle? I didn't remember that when I was reading through this, but I guess she does. Um, so after all of this, after class, um, Toru runs into Yuki at the shoe lockers when she's leaving school. Um, which then, you know, turns out to be a terrible idea uh, because then he has this whole rant about how cats are foolish and that he hates them. And then he lectures her about how the Zodiac was also a calendar. I guess he, he overheard her conversation with Shigure. Um, so he, he has this, um, he talks about how the Chinese Zodiac system was a system for keeping time. It was, you know, the whole myth was added later um, and there's nothing more to that and that's it. Um, and regardless, there was never any room for a cat in the Zodiac to begin with, mm -hmm. which seems a little personal, uh, if you ask me. Um, he also... Toru reacts every time they talk about the cat really personally. <laughs> like, there was never room for a cat. And she's like, well, okay, okay. okay. That's your opinion. Um, <laughs> he also says that Toru is looking a little bit pale um, and that she should take it easy, which of course means that she's going to die. So... <laughs> I think she has to start uh, delicately coughing blood into a handkerchief. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. You're right. That's not... <laughs> just not being pale is not enough. <laughs> if she was trying to, like, secretly cough into a handkerchief and then hide it and everyone saw it, then she would definitely be marked for death. But not in this case. <laughs> so, also, the um, we get another snapshot of the kind of bitchy girl from earlier saying that... Warning Toru not to get the swelled head... Um, because she's getting attention from Yuki, and then she kind of wonders about about Yuki. The next scene we get is this kind of sad flashback to Toru's family life. You know, she we're introduced to her. Uh, we get some more information about her mother. So we saw the photo, which of course implies that she has passed away um, in the first part of the story. She thinks that life was harder for her mother. 
she gives us some backstory about that her father passed away when she was three um, and she remembers how her family um, after her mother died so her mother raised her on her own and after her mother died she remembers how her family argued about who would take her in um, which is really sad <laughs> it's very very sad mm-hmm. and eventually she moved in with her grandfather she lived there for four months and now her her they're doing some renovations because her aunt's family is moving in um, and thus that's why she's living in the woods I also noted when I in this flashback you see her grandfather calling her Kyoko-san so he he doesn't necessarily call her by name in this also in this flashback there's this little photo of Toru she's holding a notebook that says family budget so I'm like is Toru keeping the budget that's both adorable and also a little bit sad <laughs> like she's <laughs> she's clearly kind of like forced into some responsibilities um, because she lived with her mother on her own and and she recognizes how hard it was for her mother to raise her on her own but also in this montage in this kind of like flashback we see a little bit of her early days at the tent living in the tent and there's this this um and there's also a montage of her working and uh the tent almost gets blown away in a storm um and her co-workers also comment in the background about how hardworking she is so we're getting to know a little bit about toru's character here and these these early things were being introduced to her uh so later that night Shigure and Yuki see Toru walking through the woods and they realize that she, she there's no way that she could be living nearby because all the land around there is owned by the Soma family. So they follow her uh, to her tent creepily and then she comes back out of the tent to wash her face because she needs to study after she's been working, went to school and worked late. Um, and Yuki and Shigure are creeping right outside and Shigure just like laughs straight in her face, which is <laughs> so so polite (laughs) he's laughing through the entire next scene too he is yeah he is so they uh but they do invite her over even though they laugh at her they do invite her over (laughs) and she asks if it's okay to stay on the land and she makes this joke about where she'll plug in her curling iron (laughs) like there's no way that she has a curling iron like anyway it's funny um he think he thinks it's really funny of himself (laughs) to make that joke and then she she proclaims that it's fine that she can take care of herself and then she promptly faints of -hmm. course because as there's foreshadowed a, by her paleness. Yeah. No, there's a thing uh, Toru does in this scene too, which is one of my favorite things about her. Um, Cause when she's talking about the, she's got like a little bit earlier where she's thinking about all the hardships of living in her tent. Yes. She says something about being visited by slugs instead of door to door salesmen. <laughs> and then while she's reassuring Chiguri and Yuki that she's fine out there, she just says like, it's okay. I don't mind the slugs. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what? what? <laughs> she, this thing where she just like has this whole internal monologue that she doesn't say out loud, and then just says the last thing out loud. And yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You're right. She, she does she do does that, that a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just the first time. It's really it's funny. Yeah. So she does. Yes, she says that. And so Shigeru and Yuki kind of scramble to find some ice and take care of her. But the kitchen is, the kitchen is a sty. So yeah, that doesn't doesn't go so well. While all of this kind of scramble is happening. Uh, we a wolf howls in the night, and Shigeru reports sort of semi mysteriously that there was a landslide nearby, and then they joke that like, but but not near the tent, right? <laughs> uh, it's totally near the tent. It's totally near the tent. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so they get they go back to check the tent, and the tent is completely covered in in mud from the mudslide. When they get to the tent. Toru freaks out. She's like, my mother's in there. She's suffering. She just tries to dig her out. But Shigure and Yuki convince her to like to calm down and they'll come back the next day to deal with the tent because she's sick. And they that her mother wouldn't want her to um, to exert herself anymore and be dangerous. And something that didn't really occur to me when I was first reading the series, but uh, she, she would 100% have been dead. No, totally. She would have died. <laughs> she would have been dead. I mean, I guess she might have been washing her face. <laughs> there's a there's a very slim chance she wouldn't have been in there, but yeah, she... the other option is that she fainted into the river while she was washing. <laughs> yes, she was so yes, that's also a possibility, <laughs> always a possibility, or just something else terrible could have happened. Um, and also, I think when um, something I'd ever noticed is like the very first scene, like the very when she's walking out of the tent, you can see the cliff like ominously in the background too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, scary. She definitely would have been dead. And, and nobody would have known where she was because she was lying yeah. to everyone about where she was. So public service announcement, always tell someone where you are just in case. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, send that uh, text to your friends. <laughs> tell your like uh, Tumblr followers 
that yeah. you're <laughs> that you're you're staying in a tent. You don't have to tell everyone, but you need to tell someone. If I don't reblog something in twelve hours. <laughs> They'll have been, been a mudslide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, so they they get Toru back to the house, um, and back at the house, she's all tucked in. They've gotten her uh, settled down, um, and she's uh, she's like borrowing a. I, I don't know what kind of kimono it is, but she's borrowing some kind of kimono. So I'm like, do they just have extra lying around? This is constantly people are coming over to Shigure's house and constantly they have something to wear that like they didn't bring. Like any, anyway, it's just uh maybe that's some foreshadowing, but like, so she just, they, they have something that she can change into and she, and she goes to bed. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Shigure just randomly has women's clothing around. Them. Actually, you know, <laughs> Based on the first interaction that we had between them, yeah, I guess it's possible. Uh, or, like, it's not clear who owns this house. Like, Shigure and Yuki live there. Um, so maybe there's just stuff there. Like, it's furnished. I think it's, you know, yeah. so. Anyway, okay. While she's laying in bed, um, she tells Shigure about what happened to her mother. So when uh, they were living in their apartment, one night Toru stayed up very late studying. And every morning she used to tell her mother to always come home safe. But that morning after she stayed up late, she um, she overslept and she didn't have the chance to say goodbye to her mother. And so she wasn't able to say goodbye on the day of the accident. And she says that her mother never graduated from high school and she wanted Toru to do that so that Toru would have a better life and have more opportunities. Um, and she tells Shigure about her goal to graduate from high school and about her mother and then she falls asleep. Yuki comes in having overheard this. Um, and says, you know, that you never really know, you never know about her struggles because she's so carefree at school. And he says that he thinks it's incredible um, that she lives alone in a tent and how she could never run away. He could never run away. He, you know, he only could run away so far. He ran to Shigure's house that he's always wanted to leave the Soma house, but he couldn't get that far. And Shigure also says, um, if you think that that's incredible, then you don't understand Toru's struggle. After that, he goes to dig up her things but he doesn't go alone. <laughs> so, Single creepiest panel in the entire series. It's so creepy. It's creepy in the anime. It's creepy. It's like even creepier in the anime because it's animated. So you see all these like this like legion of mice behind him creeping. He does this like slow rotation. <laughs> yes. It's his model pose as I like to think of it's it. It's all unnecessary. <laughs> it's all very unnecessary. It's like this dramatic, really creepy thing. But then like it could be, it could have been a lot less creepy. I don't know. Um, and I know the first time, the first time that I read this, I didn't, it didn't really register with me that they were a bunch of rats. Like he calls a bunch of rats to go and help him. If you didn't mm -hmm. get that by reading this, um, or at least what happens is he says he's not going alone and, and a picture of many, many rats have swarmed around him mm -hmm. and you can like upon further inspection, you can tell like the ones in the front are very clearly defined as rats. Um, and mm -hmm. I think they're making a little rat sound effect too, which I obviously couldn't read at the time. Um, <laughs> Because, like, not all the sound effects are translated in this. So he goes to extricate her things. SAT word there. Extricate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know a couple good words, you know. <laughs> he goes to dig things up. <laughs> uh, so we cut back to Toru, uh, who's who's dreaming. She's um, having a memory of her mother saying, you have a fever again. Don't push yourself so hard. You just need to be yourself and take things at your own pace. Um, and then we also see in this kind of dream or memory, um, a boy giving a young girl a hat. The young girl looks like Toru. Uh, we don't really get any information about the little boy. She says this thing that's really interesting. She says, this time, if I don't push myself a little, I'll die alone. And I, I don't, I never really thought about that that deeply until now. I don't know at this point in the story what this is kind of getting at. It seems a little bit over dramatic. It's like she just she pushed herself a bit and, and um, she's trying to she's clearly like taking on too many things. She's going to school. She's working part time and then she's trying to live on her own too in a tent and that's resulted in her um, you know being in this in this position. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, it's just something that I noticed this time. Maybe this will become a little bit clearer later when her char character develops, when we get more information about some of these things that are being alluded to right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's really sad. So Toru's not in a good state at this point in the story, I think. So after this kind of dream sequence, she wakes up 
and Yuki brings all her stuff, including her mom's picture, which is awesome. When she wakes up, her mom's photo is like right in front of her, so they've set it up for her. Um, and Yuki, or she asks how Yuki did it, and he says it's a secret, a furry, mm-hmm. furry secret. <laughs> um, so he invites her to stay at their house, but she refuses. Um, you know, saying that it would be too much trouble, and they eventually convince her by implying that she can do housework for them and take care of things for them, and that'll be fine. And she kind of acquiesces to this, and Yuki is like, well, you have nowhere else to go, right? So mm-hmm. so they kind of, I don't know, uh, When I at first when I read the story, I was just like, oh, she just decides to live with them. And now that I'm kind of looking at this dialogue, it's like, yeah, she didn't really have any other options. Yeah. She gets a bit, I'm not going to say forced into it, but she gets a little bit... Um, she has to deeply consider that she doesn't have other options, right? Yeah. So she kind of gets like sort of rushed along into mm-hmm. it rather than making that making decision. the conscious choice. But I don't think she's unhappy with it. I don't think so. I mean, I think obviously I think it's okay, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's like and it works out for her, and I think she's mm-hmm. cool with it. And then she gets this um, to live with people again because I'm sure she wasn't happy living by herself uh, yeah. based on like things about her character that come later, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it seems a little bit rushed. I feel like you'd kind of have to do that with Toru, though, to <laughs> get over her, like, desire not to be a burden on people. <laughs> I think so. I agree with that. Because, I mean, the whole reason she's living in the tent is she doesn't want to be a burden to her grandpa or her, her friends. friends. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I think she she needs to be um, lightly, forcibly convinced to do yeah. things that are going it, that's going to impact someone else. At this point in the story, she you do, you do kind of have to. Interested in not burdening other people at the moment that's correct yeah for sure but they do convince her to stay and so so yuki's showing her around the house and he asks about all of the rules you know like what's what should she do and not do in the in the house and you know he echoes her mother's words by saying just be yourself and and you'll fit right in don't worry about it so um yuki also brings her up to her room um and she's toru's helping to um helping not to cause too much trouble um, and she's borrowing Yuki's clothes, uh, which is really funny. <laughs> They're like huge on her. And her, her, she's while she's worrying about not causing too much trouble, her thoughts are interrupted by a crash through the ceiling. Um, and some a hole has jumped in through the ceiling. <laughs> he immediately. Just to say you're causing trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, she yeah, basically. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> um, so he. The person, the boy who jumps through the roof immediately threatens Yuki with this strange, like, shit talk. He's, like, calling him a rat. I don't know that that would be my first choice of words for for a confrontation. But Yuki says that he's the boy who jumped in is still too weak to beat him. Toru begs them to stop and grabs the other boy from behind. And just as Shigure... So Shigure, there's, like, a little cutscene where Shigure is, like, looking up like he heard a noise. And Shigure comes to check on everything. And when the dust settles and Shigure comes upstairs... Toru lifts a cat up out of the dust. Um, and that's the end of the first chapter. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, there's also an omake at the end of the first chapter about uh, Kyo um, bombing the entrance exam to Yuki's school on purpose, which I think is really funny. Not bombing the entrance exam. Not bombing the entrance exam, yeah. Like, they suggest that he do that, and he's like, why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, in retrospect, that's also really funny when you kind of know Kyo's character a little bit. But yeah, yeah so that happens too. It's kind of kind of endearingly earnest he is earnest yes i think so (laughs) he looks just like that thought wouldn't even occur to him yeah (laughs) so we get into the next chapter so speaking of kyo since i have spoiled his name but um we get into the next chapter which immediately begins with toru putting two to get two and two together and realizing that kyo has turned into a cat um and wanting to take him to the hospital which is also (laughs) it's like i don't think that's gonna help (laughs) maybe the vet maybe the vet (laughs) yeah maybe the vet like maybe she I also love the, the dialogue there because she kind of kind of figures it out. It's just like she I hit him in the wrong place and he turned into a, a cat. cat. She like, says no. Well, well yeah, kind well, of. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's great. Um, and she uh, conveniently gets bonked on the head by a piece of falling debris and then uh, passes out onto Yuki and Shigure, who turn into a dog and a rat. The, apparently, so Shigeru was on the phone in that little cutscene that I mentioned where he looks up. Um, so I guess he was ordering food. So a delivery man appears with food, which is, it, first of all, it's interesting because I'm like, can you can order delivery in the morning in Japan? Question mark. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, when I think of delivery, I think of at least lunchtime food, I guess. Yeah, he says he's ordering breakfast. He's ordering breakfast. Right. 
And second of all, that food gets there incredibly fast. Yeah, you're right. He wa- he she he's on the phone. Then he walks upstairs and like turn has time to turn into a dog. And then the delivery man is there. So yeah. this is like within five minutes or ten minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe in Japan delivery is super fast. I, I'm, when I order delivery, it's like estimated forty five to fifty minutes. I'm like, ah. Like, uh. <laughs> but then at least you don't have to leave the house, which is the most important yeah. part. So the delivery man appears with food and Toru runs downstairs and she's like, they're all animals, which makes me laugh every time. Like, it's a terrible, like, joke or whatever. But, um, so Shigure... And the delivery guy, she's like, so they are. Yes, yes, they are. They are animals. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and so Doggy Shigure <laughs> brings Shigure's wallet and, and pays the man. As soon as the delivery man leaves... They start to argue with each other, which freaks Toru out even more, because she's like, oh, they can talk. Um, uh, We then get the exposition that uh, the Soma family are possessed by the vengeful spirits of the animals of the Chinese Zodiac and the cat. So this is the first time that this possession is mentioned. Um, And we get a bit of, like, kind of definition of the curse. So the family's been cursed for hundreds of years. And he says they don't have superpowers, but he's like, well, actually, we do have a power that we can communicate with our respective animals. Mm-hmm. Um, when the members of the family who are possessed are weak or they're hugged by a member of the opposite sex, they transform. And then they change back into their human selves after an indeterminate amount of time. But of course, they're naked, which segues <laughs> into them transforming back <laughs> naked. Um, so we get to the scene where they're all back and dressed again and they're sitting in the living room, I guess. They're like where the the table is that they eat at and Kyo uh sasses them for letting Toru stay there he's like why what is she doing here why do you have a woman in the house like whatever and they um Shigure in turn sasses Kyo for not noticing her saying that like he's you know he's at martial arts training he should notice someone like that Yuki calls him an outcast so then of course he immediately reacts by crushing a table by breaking it in half and (laughs) half of you yeah that's the only reaction when someone calls me (laughs) something so first, he calls Yuki rad, then Yuki calls him an outcast, and then he smashes a table. So, you know, uh, it's, it's, the only, it's the only reaction. Normal family dinner. Totally. Also, he entered by crushing the roof, so normal yeah. family interactions all around. Um, <laughs> so he... he, he uh, Doesn't say something like, did you crush the roof again? <laughs> I, think he, I think he does, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. A uh, piece of the table, like, kind of bends up and smacks Toru in the head, which causes Kyo to startle. And then Yuki actually slaps Kyo for that. And then they start fighting full on while Shigure gently, like, tends to the cut on Toru's head. Um, Shigure and Toru talk about Kyo and Yuki's relationship, so we get a little bit of background. They always fought. Um, and Shigure predicts a victory for Yuki, which then, of course, comes true when he throws Kyo through the door. So we have even more damage to Shigure's house. <laughs> um, Toru realizes that she's running late for school. And of course, we we know that she's very fixated on this goal um, of completing high school. Um, so she runs off and grabs her dirty uniform that's like covered in mud from the mudslide and throws that on and then says that she's heading out to school, which is very determined. So like if you <laughs> if you were in a situation where you were living in a tent, your tent got crushed by a landslide. And you stayed at a mysterious stranger's house overnight, and then you, uh, another mysterious stranger came in the next day, and there was a fight, and you got smacked in the head with a table. You would still run off to high school? Yes or no? <laughs> Same without the uh, animal transformation. Without, oh, right, and the animal transformations. You're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she also realized that people turn into animals, so she still yeah. goes to school. That's some determination. I think I think I'd. Uh take a personal day for that one i think so that we would call that a mental health day Yeah, mental health day. <laughs> so so yes uh so she runs however toru is not like us uh she runs off to school um in her dirty uniform shigure lets her know that he's going to have to talk to akito the head of the family uh, about what happened um and then she's like okay whatever whatever you have to do and then she goes to school after she leaves yuki asks about having her memories suppressed um, and Shigure is like, I don't know. So we'll have to talk to Akito. Um, they tell Kyo to fix the house and then and not disappear again. So Yuki goes to school. Shigure goes to talk to the head of the family. Back at school, Toru uh, was able to borrow the school's like washing machine, which is also I find interesting. I don't think I ever went to a school that had a washing machine. I don't know, but the you have them, just not maybe <laughs> maybe for I don't I know. Are. For sure not for students. I would never have assumed that the school that I went to had one. 
Maybe they have them for like home ec or something. I don't know. But at school, yeah, like oh, aprons to toss in or something. Maybe. So she borrows the washing machine to wash her uniform, and the bitchy girl from before makes a comment about the mud looking good on Toru, <laughs> and then Hana chases her off. So we're good. We got everything's fine once again. <laughs> she goes to change back into her regular uniform. Oh, she's wearing her gym uniform while all this is going on, and their gym uniforms are are nice. We never had gym uniforms that nice, I don't think. <laughs> so she goes to change. She comes back out and Yuki's like creeping outside <laughs> waiting for her. And he asks if she told her friends about what happened. And of course she says no. And she would never give up a secret. And she offers to sign her name in blood or burn herself a cigarette like her mom would. And Yuki's kind of like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so Yuki tells her that her memories might be erased. Uh, he gives us a little bit of exposition about something that happened when he was younger. So when he was in second grade, he was playing with a bunch of kids um, and he transformed, and then all the kids' memories needed to be erased. The, in his flashback that he has, he asked Akito about it, and he says, he asked Akito if he was strange, or why the kids' memories had to be erased. And Akito says, so Akito is off screen here, and Akito says, or like, off panel, I guess, <laughs> here, and says, if normal people knew about your secret, it would sicken them, they would stay away from you, you'd be forced to live alone. So he's having this kind of memory while he's talking to Toru. He apologizes about whatever might happen to her, and he apologizes for getting involved with the family's problems. And he can't go against whatever Akito says. Um, he starts to kind of like walk off, like after that mic drop. <laughs> he just like, okay, bye. I can't, I can't go against what Akito says later. Um, and Toru grabs him and is like, wait, um, which of course causes him to transform again. So they also have this um, kind of awkward apology exchange where Toru is like, just, I just want you to do whatever makes your family comfortable. But she asks him to be her friend if her memories get erased. And when Yuki transforms back and then he gets dressed, Toru fixes his tie. And then he asks, you're not sickened by me? She says, nope, I'm fine. Because it, it says in the thing that she misunderstood what he was asking. But, you know, she acts like everything's fine. Everything's cool. And then they walk home together. He asks her to walk home together. And so they do. At home. And it's it's charming. At home, <laughs> Toru goes upstairs and finds Kyo uh, patching the roof. He tries to apologize. He starts with something but gets interrupted when... Um, Shigure comes back and uh, has announces to them that Toru can stay if she keeps the secret, which is awesome, uh, since she doesn't have anywhere to go and her tent is ruined. Uh, and Kyo mm -hmm. must also stay there with them. And neither Yuki nor Kyo are happy about this. They both are, mm -hmm. I think, enraged is the word that I would use to describe it. <laughs> uh, Yuki asks if Shigure and Akito are scheming something, which is interesting. There's a little like flashback that looks like it's the exchange between Shigure and Akito, and the dialogue that we see there, we see someone who's not Shigure, so I assume that's Akito. It says, This may prove fortuitous for Yuki and Kyo, and for me, Yuki does have good instincts, but proceed with caution. So perhaps they are scheming something. It's certainly implied. But Shigure kind of ignores this. He doesn't really comment on it. And at the end of the chapter, Toru thanks them for looking after her and that she's indebted to them and to Kyo as well, which causes another fight and causes the door to be broken again for some reason so uh that's the end of our that's the end of our first two chapters of fruits basket uh so i started keeping Animal transformation and property damage yeah for sure that's the <laughs> themes that we have emerged so far for sure <laughs> the first uh because of that so i started a tracker for how much uh i, I took note of how much damage there was so we had the roof <laughs> I guess I didn't include the table here, but the table and then the doors, the like exterior uh, sliding doors were damaged twice in all of the events that happened in these first two chapters. And this will not be the end of the damage to Shigeru. No, it certainly won't, which is why I thought it would be funny to keep track. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there's that. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about specifically. So the first one is um, Hana's Dempa. Hana mentioned um, that she can... She she alluded to threaten or she threatened the girl by saying that she could beep her with electro poison waves, and so I, I did a little bit of reading about Dempa. I think so in the in the Toyo Pop version, I don't think they talk they don't call it, or maybe they just call it electric waves. I didn't I make a note. I think it just is like poison waves. Or poison waves. Um, yeah, it's just electro poison waves. Electro poison waves. It might. I think they might translate it later. This this power. I think it's weird that they didn't like have any like note at the back or anything you know they used yeah. to be full of like this is notes on this is what an onigiri culture, is Japanese yeah these words but yeah 
this one in particular doesn't have that. There are things that are like commented on in this series for sure about that like have culture notes, but this specifically doesn't. Um, yeah. So what this is is uh, it's called Denpa. So I looked up Denpa mm-hmm. before this to kind of just read about it, and I think um, maybe the reason that it's not it's alluded to in this specific way is that it might be something that people who are familiar with Japanese comics. So like the audience in Japan is probably already familiar with Denpa. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a concept that's existed since, I don't know, like the eighties. And uh, it's common in a lot of different fantasy series. So Denpa essentially is the ability to, so Denpa, I guess, is the ability to send certain things from electromagnetic waves. And it, the way that it's described on Wikipedia, it kind of reminded me of, like, people who say they can hear, the, like, the radio in their teeth or whatever. Like, <laughs> like it's kind of, the connotation is that it's kind of like a crackpot thing. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, at least that's how it is stated on Wikipedia. And I think that, um, <laughs> I think, like, here we're getting this interesting take on Denpa that she can that Hana might be able to control it. So she can control what she does with her Denpa as well as reading what is going on with other people. She comments, mm-hmm. um, this is something I think we can track when yeah. there's more and information everyone seems about to, it. Like take it seriously or they do face value in the series. Like the girl she threatens are afraid of her and Yeah. Uo tells her not to do anything and Yeah. When she says she gets like a weird feeling about people, they all like listen to it and It's true. And I think even Toru was like, wow, I wish I could sense things like Hana does about people. She says Mm -hmm. something about it, too. So, yes, it's taken very seriously. I think it's interesting that I never also this I didn't really think about this before, because like the first, you know, when I read the series, I was like, it's just another like it's an anime thing. She has powers, but Mm -hmm. she's one of the Mm -hmm. only people other than the Somas that has any kind of supernatural ability of any kind. Yeah. So it's interesting that we have her and also the Somas that are are cursed. So, I don't know, it's cool. It's not really a fantasy series beyond the curse. That's the way that's stated for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, other than the curse, it's supposed to be kind of like, it's a slice of life and also the curse. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so we get Hana's Denpa is introduced here. And uh, we get a little bit of, there's a little bit of detail about it. So, it'll be interesting to see how that comes forward. It's interesting that she um, she seems to... Be kind of like seeing what's going on all the time, getting a kind of extra feeling about people that others don't have. It, your point is apt that she, um, you know, like the girls, the other kids take it very seriously when she threatens them with her mm-hmm. her waves. We also had, so one of the things I said that I wanted to track kind of like overall, the overall progression of in the series is the curse. So we have our first like kind of snapshot of what the deal with the curse is. So we have, um, like I said, in the, this the, when we were going through the summary, that the family has been cursed for a long time. Like it says hundreds of years, which I also kind of forgot about. Like it's, it's interesting that it's been so long, like for as long as any of them can remember for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can communicate with their animals when they're weak or they're hugged, they transform. Um, and then they change back after kind of an indeterminate amount of time. Um, the other interesting thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that um Yuki, or like we see some things that are happening with the way that the cursed family members feel about the curse, especially with Yuki. There's all these kind of mentions of him. He, he talks about the story with the, the kids whose memories had to be erased, and he seems to have a lot of guilt. He apologizes for bringing Toru into this kind of the family situation. And, and then we also see this narrative that maybe was being told to him by Akito that people wouldn't want to be close to him if they knew about the secret. Like there's a lot of shame, mm-hmm. I think, involved in being cursed. So we get the first kind of look at that. Um, and that and that comes up a couple of times. And it's kind of interesting, like this like he feels there's some shame involved with being cursed and everything, but at the same time he calls Kyo an outsider. So Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, to oh, like, that. Yeah. It's like we're all cursed, but you know, you're, you're worse kind. <laughs> you're worse or even more cursed. Yeah. Not just your average family curse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that there that's alluded to as well, or he, he makes that comment as well. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I think in terms of some overarching themes, you know, we have the theme of kind of like home and its relationship to self, I think. Like there's a lot of talk mm-hmm. of the home, like Toru talks about her, the tent she's like my home my home is my castle or something like she actually makes that mm-hmm. comment and then we have this yuki also talking about wanting to get out of the family but like he he's literally talking about 
getting out of a physical place. Like he was talking about getting out of the house and he could only make it to another part of the family's house. Yeah. As if that like physical relationship is also related to how he feels about the family being within the family. Right. And even Toru, like she's without a house. If you kind of extend that metaphor, Toru doesn't have a lot of contact with her family at this point in the story. So her being kind of on her own in her own house, she's also like outside of her family. Mm -hmm. They're presented as like, there's a direct relationship between like the home, the physical space and your personal connection. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because then, of course, Shigure, uh, or like Toru moves in with Shigure and Yuki and Kyo. So then they have this like de facto family um, yeah. that gets set up at the end of this chapter. These two are kind of the end of the first chapter. So I think that relationship to the physical space and, and the, the family is really interesting. Um, I think that's going to also come out a lot more later in the series. So, and what that does and what that space does to people. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also like how Kyo had run away for a while. Yeah. Now they're making him live in Shigeru's house. They're like forcing him back. Yeah. It's like they're pulling him back. He was outside and they're bringing him back mm-hmm. into whatever's going on. Yes, you're right. Um, so that's interesting. And then also we have... Um, I think there's an overall theme of loss that keeps coming back. You know, it's it's mostly centered around Toru at this point, but then we also have like the loss of memories. We have Yuki's kind of maybe his loss of control over his relationships with people, like where where people's memories have been lost or they were mm-hmm. erased. That's definitely a theme that's going to come up, I think, more and more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have any other comments about that. It just seems mm-hmm. like it's, it seems like that's something that I noticed that is it was prevalent a lot in the chapter and probably is going to come up again. So I think we'll track yeah. that more too. And then the other thing that is pretty clear is that you have this theme of transformation. We have, you know, the transformation of them from humans into animals, the people who are cursed. We mm-hmm. also have, I think it's not strongly alluded to, but this series takes place when they are in high school. They're at this point where they're transitioning from the char- the main characters are, are transitioning from being children to adults. So we have this transformation of what one might think of as like a childlike behavior into an adult. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like Toru, she's like, I need to live on my own someday. And so she goes and lives in a tent, which is like, yeah. <laughs> it's like not the right idea, but it kind of like, she's like, she makes a lot of allusions to, or makes a lot of kind of comments about having to live on her own, how to having to like take care of herself, having to be mm-hmm. in this like adult kind of position um, yeah, early in this yeah. series. It's implied she's kind of forced to have more adult responsibilities, even yeah. as a child. Like, you had the comment about her with the family budget yes. notebook. Yeah. And it seemed like she was doing most of the cooking, too. Mm-hmm. I think she does say that. I think she says yeah. it in the uh, home ec part, where she's like, well, I had to cook a lot and whatever. She just kind of dismisses all her ability <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it does seem like she had a lot of adult responsibilities because she was one of two people living in a house. Um, and her mom was busy with other things. Yeah, she's working all the time to take care of her. So. Yeah. And then kind of like in contrast, you have Yuki who... Can't do anything. He can't do anything. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he can't even like go out on his own. Like he probably couldn't, he couldn't have lived in a tent. He says it himself. So he has this like, if you, they're almost like foils at this point, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like, if you compare them in that way, like uh, Tor's very responsible. She can take care of herself. She at least like certainly tries to. I don't know that she can. Like the fact that she mm-hmm. kind of faints and has to get taken care of, like has to be... Yeah. taken in by them and almost got killed in a landslide is indicative of the fact that she's still a child but i think she has a bit more yeah. uh yeah yuki would definitely have died <laughs> no he, died, he definitely would have died in the tent <laughs> he would have been afraid of the slugs let's be honest yeah. um and so he no i i he definitely would have died in a tent at this point in the story um <laughs> and so i mean i think kill would have too i don't think he could have handled it um Although I guess he, he was, was like, he was living in the woods, while, so so yeah, so, yeah. survival abilities. Perhaps he has no emotional <laughs> survival <laughs> abilities. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He can definitely break a roof, and then he can definitely patch it yeah. up. So he's got a little, maybe a bit of a head on Yuki, who yeah. doesn't even know how to take out the trash. So you know, um, and so and Yuki also says, like, we get all these like really these clear memories of him being like he was taken care of as a child. Like he had the, the family took care of the thing that happened where his curse was revealed. So he mm-hmm. was his, his kind of, I don't know that that situation was cleared up for him. And then he moved into with Shigure. Like he tried to leave to be on his own quote unquote, but he moved in with Shigure. So um, he's still being watched over and cared for by someone in the family. 
Um, so I think that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a foil. So those are these, this like child and adult thing. I think that's a theme in like a lot of these like slice of life teenage stories, yeah. but it's definitely present here. I think and, everything with teenagers, you can technically call a coming of age story. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think this is definitely a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. It's like all the characters, they come of age when bad things happen, question mark. I don't know. Um, Even the adults come of age. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, some of them. We'll see, I guess. Um, and then we also have uh, this transformation of a, of a, of other things. So, like, we're presented with multiple versions of the Zodiac story, as mm-hmm. if the story itself is trans is is changing and transforming over time. We have yeah. um, kind of like Toru's version from her mother. We have like Yuki being like it was a calendar uh, version. <laughs> Right. So we have a couple of different and they're like, there's never room for a cat. It's like they all have this kind of opinion about this story. Um, And I think that that's also weird. We'll see. I think that evolve over through the course of the story, too, like especially around the curse. Yeah. And I think even in just these chapters, sort of Toru's view on the story Mm -hmm. is changing from her, the version she killed from her mom and then the stuff about the calendar and then learning that it's uh, not just the story. Yeah. 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 There's actually people who are cursed. So actually like meeting some of the characters from the story essentially. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's a the dream come true. Seeing it, I think, is changing already. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, is there anything not spoilery that you wanted to that you noticed in these chapters that maybe you didn't notice before? Um, I was I mean, not noticed before, but I was surprised at how early the like memory erasure thing came up. Mm-hmm. I remembered it being more vague about like, oh, something bad will happen if Akito decides he can't stay or whatever. But mm-hmm. they were just like up front, like, no, your memories might get erased. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> immediately says that. Yeah. Um, I guess because that happened to Yuki, like he knows about mm-hmm. it. Uh, maybe yeah. other people who are of the Soma family who are possessed maybe don't know yeah. about like, it. I think, you, I think Shigure tried to keep it vague. But, yeah. Uh, Yuki's immediately like, just, no. Just straight up like, no, this is what might happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of interesting how up front they are. Like, you know, we were talking about uh, how it's seen as a lighthearted series, but some of the darker stuff actually comes in pretty early. Cause, yeah. Erasing I mean, all these kids' memories and stuff is pretty dark. Yeah, it is. No, you're totally right. <laughs> and, like, kind of, and this, how how closely guarded the secret is, is quite dark, I think, too. It's mm-hmm. not like they're just like, yeah, it's cool. We have the superpower and we change into animals. <laughs> no, it's yeah. like, it's a, it's a serious business secret that they yeah. have. Like, so even, it's, mostly presented as like a comedic thing at this point but the Mm -hmm. characters who are cursed take it pretty seriously yeah you're right there's an interesting dichotomy there it's like they're all they're covered in like poopy clouds that cover their junk but then yet they're (laughs) like but now that you found out about this we're gonna erase your memories so there's this weird like it's kind of presented and they're cute i think one interesting thing that i think about when i think about the series is like the actual character design for the animals too Mm -hmm. like she it's not like she draws them like a realistic cat or like a realistic dog they're like cartoony versions of them like I, I mean i guess obviously manga is like an abstraction but i still think you could go you could take it in a more realistic direction but she mm-hmm. doesn't so yeah. stylistically like i guess they're they're also they're cute people want to buy yeah they're cute them. totally i want to i want all the cute stuff I, I used to have a cute stuff i think i had a shigure stuffed animal <laughs> at one point <laughs> so so many things <laughs> I left it at my uh, parents' house, and um, they were selling some of my stuff that I didn't want anymore. And I just got a text from my dad that was a picture of the <laughs> holding up the kiosk of animal. Like, what the heck is this? <laughs> You're like, it's an anime cat, of course. Please. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Can't you see the uh, little angry mark? Yeah, of course. Well, he was constantly angry. So. Yeah. When I think of him as a cat, I think of him being angry, like angry-eyed cat, cat version of Kyo. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. There I don't know if that's like a merch reason. I don't know if it's just like a I don't I mean yeah. It's cute, right? It's cute animals. Yeah. It's cute. It appeal I think the target audience for this is you know, it is younger girls. So maybe there's something about that that you know, like it's cute. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but then there's like all this other stuff. There's, yeah, but it is kind of an interesting contrast. Yeah, it is. Cute animals and how seriously they take it. Mhm. Yeah, they're like they're super cute, but then they'll erase your memories. So, is yeah. it is it that cute? This this yeah. is the question I, I would pose. Adorable, <laughs> erasing your memories is adorable. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they do take it very seriously, and and yet they are adorable. 
Um, also, I think there's a... So if you're reading the Tokyo Pop version, um, the way that they call each other is something to note. So uh, Toru calls Yuki Somakun, and he calls her Honda-san. So like, they are not that close. They're calling each other by their last name. Uh, like, she has nicknames for her friends, so it's not like she refers to everyone that way. She like shortens their names so they're Hana-chan and Uo-chan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't, I mean, I bet everyone who's listening to this probably understands what I'm talking about without having to be explicit. But if you don't, like these, the the way that they're referring to them um, with these honorifics indicating that they are not very familiar with each other. Uh, so that's something to note. It's not like they're like BFS and they knew each other. Well, she just kind of knew who Yuki was and Yuki kind of knew who she was. Um, you know, they were in the same class, but maybe that kind of indicates how socially removed Yuki is. Um, or maybe mm. social, how socially removed Toru is. Um, it's not like she knows, you know, like those with the other girl in the class was picking on her. So maybe that kind of says something about her status in the school too. But it's something that I never, it's something that I didn't think about too much the first time I read this. It just seems like she's like, whatever, just some girl at school. But it could be that she's kind of on the fringe of the class as well. Yuki definitely does that on purpose. And I think that it's like, it's pretty clear when Uo gives that kind of background story about him pushing the girl away. Like he's not very involved with people at school. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, but it's it's explicit between the two of them that they don't know each other that well at this point, or they're not comfortable being more less familiar with, or less formal with each other at this point. So that's okay. something that I I picked up on this time. Yeah, yeah. I think she calls Kyo Kyo-san at this point. She does. That's right. Yeah. Actually, she hasn't called him by name yet. That's in, I think in the next chapter. But yes. Like oh, maybe she's like, oh, you too, like, Kyo-san. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the door for the second time. Yes, correct. You're right. You're right. <laughs> And that's the very end. So yeah, she does call him that. So she treats them all very respectfully, mm-hmm. um, which I think is in her character. Yeah, I don't know if she's directly addressed Sigurei at this point. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Not by name. That's everything I wanted to discuss before we talk spoilers. Is there anything mm-hmm. else? No, it's good for me. Yeah, it's the beginning. So I'm sure all these things will build on as we go through. Mm-hmm. But I think that's it for now without talking spoilers. So... Um, so with that, then we'll say goodbye and then I'll play some music and then we'll talk spoilers. So I thank you all for listening to this. Uh, it's our, my pleasure to talk about the series that I really enjoy. Uh, so it's nice that we get to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find us at staytogetherpodcast.com, staytogetherpodcast on Tumblr. Um, and you can email us directly at staytogetherpodcast.gmail.com if you want to tell us stuff. Um, directly or correct us or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know. Also, our opinions are wrong and dumb. Yeah, I mean, obviously our opinions are wrong and dumb because we, we have them, so it's fine. Don't worry, it's cool. But they're ours. It's true. <laughs> they're wrong and dumb, but they're ours. <laughs> uh, so tell all your tell your friends, uh, tell all your total followers, write it in your, uh, your zine, <laughs> and... <laughs> Sure. Skywriter. Yeah. <laughs> Stay together. It's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you enjoyed this, People of course. Like, I should stay together. Yeah, we should. Um, if you enjoyed this, uh, you can always rate and review and subscribe on the podcast service of your choice, which will help us get noticed and shared around. Uh, I think that's it for now. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we're coming back to talk about spoilers. There's a bunch of things that I alluded to in the talk, or like I talked about in the discussion part that are like, they allude to some spoilery, spoilery things. And I tried to be really careful when I talked about them. Mm-hmm. Like the way the curse changes, like it's definitely going to yeah. change. There's gonna, we're going to add more things to it. Different versions of the yeah. story. Yes, I think that was it specifically. That's like, yeah. we're, we're getting more. Like this is just two. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change. Um, we're going to get more kind of different views of the story at some point yeah and also how different uh the different members who are cursed view the curse and each other and mm-hmm. themselves yeah right now we only got yuki and kyo are fighting mm-hmm. you know because they're the rat and the cat so of course yeah um and then shigure seems kind of benevolent he's like taking care of them he's always letting them mm-hmm. live there there were they seemed worried about kyo like uh that he was gone but yeah beyond that i don't know uh, so some of the things that I wanted to talk about that I made in my notes are that um, there's the first thing is that 
I noticed that the allusion to the hat is made very early. Mm-hmm. It's like in the first scene or the second where she's leaving the tent, where Tori's yeah. leaving the tent, and it's just sitting there. So I find that really intriguing. It's one mm-hmm. of the things that she has in the tent that she kept. Like it's 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 something that she cares about enough that she would bring it into a small tent, a small living space to have with her. Yeah. So yeah, it's that important to her. Mentioned much earlier than I remembered it. Totally. And it's like, you can completely miss it, which I think is yeah. on point. I think this is what you were kind of, maybe one of the things you were alluding to when we were talking about in the like intro episode, we're talking about things that get foreshadowed really early that you don't mm-hmm. notice. Like this is the first thing I thought of when you said that. Yeah, that was definitely one of the, like, I noticed it right away reading it this time. Yeah. I definitely didn't pay any attention to it until she was talking about it later and in the story. I think it's mentioned, like, first twice. Time. Like, twice in these first two chapters, because there's the yeah, flashback. You, you see it. Yeah, you get the whole flashback. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking of when I was reading it this time is um, Yugi is the one who goes and gets her stuff from the tent. Mm-hmm. So he had to bring the hat over. That's true. He would have noticed it. Like, I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if he had any kind of <laughs> uh, Maybe he forgot. about about that or yeah yeah i don't know i don't in my recollection of what happened what is to come i don't Mm -hmm. think he remember no he does remember it because he remembers that it's kyo's hat or whatever right like it's a Mm -hmm. whole but i don't know if he remember he i don't know he like makes the connection at this point yeah i'm not sure i'm wondering since he had to he would have seen it maybe it was really dirty maybe it was like covered in mud i don't know (laughs) she's had it for a long time maybe it's like faded (laughs) like i don't maybe he didn't notice but yeah it's he doesn't we don't get any indication that he recognizes it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. And then I also, we I think we talked about this while we were talking about the non-spoilery stuff, but the incident with Yuki's friend's memories getting erased, mm-hmm. that was shockingly early. Yeah. Like, I always think of the mind-erasing stuff happening when she meets Hattori, which is like, I think... Yeah, that's what I... A couple I chapters from now. It was like vague until Hattori came in because then everyone was like freaking about freaking out about why Hattori was coming. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Calm down, yeah. <laughs> everyone, chill." <laughs> it's, like I'm here, it's like I'm here to take a blackmail picture. Yeah, basically. I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all I'm here for. And chaperone yeah. Momiji. Yeah. Also, he tells her directly about it quite early. It's not even just mm-hmm. like he asks. He Yuki tells her right away. Like the whole yeah. story isn't. Because I think that it gets, he has, like, a fuller flashback of that later. Yeah, there's some more detail later. There's some more detail it. later. So it's just like, oh, a thing happened. Because I remember a... He um, was very upset about it. Yeah, there's a picture of him, like, like crying to Hattori. Hattori about it. About it. Yeah. Yuki and Hattori have an interesting relationship. Yeah, I think the relationship between Hattori and the younger ones, especially Yuki and Momeji, who've been mm-hmm. directly affected by his... <laughs> his erasing, mind-erasing powers. powers. Like, really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Um, so we'll get there later, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting how he brings that up right away. And then mm-hmm. we get, yeah, we get a very limited version of that story. One thing that I noticed that I never, ever noticed before was that Kyo, when Kyo notices Toru or when they're talking about her living, being there, he's like, why is she, what is she doing here? Like it implies that he knows her. Yeah. Cause he says like, why is she? And then kind of cuts himself off and says like, why is there a girl? Why is there, here? Why is there a woman here? Yeah. Why is yeah. there a girl here? Which I never I, would have I noticed. noticed that too, but it's, it's like a very deliberate cutting himself off. Yeah. And changing what he's saying there. Yeah. I wonder if the people who translated that noticed that. I mean, they obviously translated it, but like, I wonder if that's, and then they realized it later. But it's just like a mm-hmm. very, it's such a small detail that implies that yeah. he knows her, that he recognizes her. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't, I think at this point in the story, well, like most of the story is from Tora's point of view really mm-hmm. like she's yeah. she's the main character and like we get we get her interact like, like there are scenes where she's not there but most of it is stuff that happens to her mm-hmm. so it doesn't imply that she recognizes him and he would be pretty yeah, recognizable with his orange hair yeah and i don't think uh i don't think they really met i think he's he knew her but they didn't meet yeah for yeah sure. i think uh, her mom kind of like he knew her because her mom told him about her about yeah her. he creeped I think he he yeah. watched her, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, he yeah he knew because her mom he knew Tor's mother, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so it's so that it's interesting that that also is set up right away. So the whole the whole situation with them we talked about this in the intro episode of the trailer as well. It was like uh, the whole situation with him knowing her with Kyo knowing Tor's mother and them him being there at the accident mm-hmm. um, is set up right away. Yeah, so it's really interesting. It's- it's like everybody knows each other before yeah. the series starts. Yeah. You wind up realizing that like everyone is They're all connected. Some kind of interaction with each other, which is kind of interesting. I always like those kind of stories where yeah. pe- people and 
stories that seem totally separate wind up connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, some of those get set up pretty early on, which I didn't remember. And it seems like, yeah, it definitely seems like Toro's like a complete stranger. Like the story that mm-hmm. we get is like Toro's completely a stranger to all these people, and she gets thrown into the mix of this crazy curse, like we read in the yeah. in the. Like, it seems uh, like the thing. only connection is that like, oh, she goes to the same school as Yuki, which yeah. is not really a connection. No, so. but clearly it's not because like we were just talking about, they don't seem to know each other very well, mm-hmm. um, even though they're in the same class. A lot of the characters, so a lot of the characters knew each other before the series started. Yeah. Um, had some kind of connection, even if mm-hmm. they don't personally know each other. That's true. Yeah. So that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see that unravel mm-hmm. once again. And it, it is always interesting. I like that when that happens in a series, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we do get, so I did, I talked about it in the first episode for sure, but we get the first hint of, like, Akito and Shigure's relationship where they mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely scheming something. It's still not clear what it is at this point. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm very intrigued by this because, mm-hmm. because of like, because Akito basically like freaks out that Toru's trying to pull them apart, but mm-hmm. Akito seemed to be in on having her live there. Yeah. So I think, um, wasn't it, was it Ren who convinced Akito? Ren convinced Akito to let Toru, Ren, Ren convinced Akito to let yeah. Toru live there. Oh, I don't know. With someone, because I think if I remember right, so they were like basically betting with Akito. It's like, oh, if they really love you, this won't be a oh. challenge. And then, um, that's entirely possible and yeah, not something and that I, I think remember. Akito was convinced. It's like, oh, yeah, this will just prove that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like this person living there, they won't, she won't want to stick around. She won't like them because they're cursed. And yeah. Prove to them that I'm all they have. Yeah. That's entirely possible. It, I think that's what I remember it being. And then, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that seems like something yeah, Ren then, would like, do. When it started not going that way, is when Akito started freaking out. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Ren is, they have a terrible, terrible relationship. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. That seems exactly like something that would happen. So mm-hmm. I, if that's true, then I forgot it. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see it again. <laughs> I think I remember uh, something along those lines. I may have some of the details wrong. Yeah, that will be, I don't know, that'll be interesting. Because like, their whole relationship is a mm-hmm. thing. Keto's everything is just yeah, it's a thing. Deeply, deeply fucked. Yeah, it's so, so, so deeply fucked. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Oh boy. But... Do you remember um, when everyone thought Akito might be the rooster? Oh yeah. It was that bird. Yes, I do remember that. I do remember that. It's yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Implying something else, but I remember everyone thought <laughs> it might be implying something else. I don't know if it's actually ever. I I think um it could be. You know, Akito is always pictured with that bird, so I feel like there might be some obvious like bird cage metaphor. Yeah, I think it might be implying something about the the weird uh, issue with Karina. What's going on there too? Maybe. Yeah. The bird, there's like multiple times that a bird is used to represent Karina. Like there's that time with Arisa where they find the dead yeah. bird. So um like at the end so that definitely is possible too yeah it could be like yeah i guess it could be the bird <laughs> the bird is out of the cage akito's always holding the bird almost always mm-hmm. so maybe that implies that that's some kind of like secret really in-depth reading of the visuals that Kareno is free from the curse because i think he is at this point yeah already free from akito yeah well mm-hmm. who is, is no <laughs> not even akito is free from akito no <laughs> Not even Ren is free from Akito. Yeah. Deeply, deeply fucked. <laughs> yes, deeply fucked. So, uh, so yeah. So maybe I don't know. But that bird, there is like this specific imagery that's always used with Akito. Um, like the bird is one, and then there's the flowers, which I don't think is used yet. There's this like specific type of flower that's red. There's like uh, there's a lot of like colored um, drawings of Akito with that flower, and it's yeah, not like a rose. I think that's on the cover with Akito on it too. I think you're right. Um, I think it is. Oh, I think it's a little thing in the back. You mean like the thing that's mm-hmm. like their little symbol? Yeah. Yeah, shockingly, it's not the bird. It's the flower. Someone, there's a post. I'll have to try to find it for later where someone had <clears throat> detailed kind of like the meaning of that flower and the symbolism mm-hmm. of that flower. So um, so we'll see. We'll see that come up. But it hasn't come up yet, so I won't talk about it yet. In the main. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that's interesting from way late in the series that's shown early on is you're talking about how you can see the the cliff above Toru's tent in the mm-hmm. early in the early pages before it winds up collapsing the tent um those those cliffs and landslides will, will come back yeah i know it's 
it's funny when I was reading that the first time we were just like, oh shit, oh shit, yeah. it's happening. Like, <laughs> like this was, and it's very clearly, it's it's set right at the beginning that that land is unstable. So yeah. mm-hmm. don't know how far away from the house it is. Like there's no real relationship, but like yeah. out in the woods. It's and, not a map. It's not a fantasy novel. <laughs> no, <laughs> there should be though. I would enjoy having a map of like Shari's little so property. <laughs> Because they have, uh, well, there is a map of the main house <laughs> that Momiji yeah. draws, yeah. I think, to die, to die, explain it to people. And there's also, like, that lake. Like, Shikari's house is near a lake. So mm-hmm. it's a big, it's a big, like, natural area that it's in. Yeah. It's interesting that they own all that land, too. Um, mm-hmm. And it just is also, like, even more, it's also secluded. Yeah. Like, even though, even though Yuki tries to kind of get out, quote unquote, of the house of the main house of the family he still ends up in this area that's completely like tied off still from other people which makes that third delivery even more incredible yes i know i always wonder they have to like walk to school i wonder how long it takes them there's all these scenes of them walking through the woods mm-hmm. I'm like how far away is the school like <laughs> anyway how far away how long is it taking that guy on a motorbike driving through the woods in the dark to get to their house yeah like yeah i don't know it's interesting I can't, the delivery people can't even find my apartment. I don't know how find that. <laughs> good question. <laughs> All good questions. It's the magic of Japan. It's the magic of anime. They're much more efficient there. Clearly. <laughs> Google Maps is more efficient. Actually, Google Maps probably didn't even exist back then. It's like yeah. MapQuest. Maybe Shiguria gave him like explicit directions. Also, he, they order food all the time so that maybe the guy knows them and knows how yeah. to get there. But yeah. Is there anything, is there any other, like, spoilery things that you noticed that you wanted to discuss? I mean, a little one is that uh, you can see Kyo with his bracelet first thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can. You can see it right away. Um, (laughs) Something I'm I'm excited that the new anime has it painted the right colors. (laughs) Yes. Right off the bat, we'll get to see (laughs) that it's red and therefore saturated with the blood of a priest or whatever it is. (laughs) It's interesting. So it's good. It's good. It's exciting. The new visuals are all really exciting. I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. I used to have one of those cosplay bracelets, but I think I broke it. I have mine and found it when I was cleaning stuff from my parents' house. So it's sitting <laughs> on my desk right now. So um, it's not red, though, which is still. Yeah. Even at I the time, I wish it was red. Now and then, but I don't know if they were official or just something people made. What was it? Suncoast that used to have on Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like FYE. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times in the yeah. early 2000s when we still had video stores. Yeah, going to the mall. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I can't. I don't know. Who needs to go to the mall anymore? That's what I have Amazon Prime for. Hanging around, loitering in the mall. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times. <laughs> I don't think there's any, anything else that I wanted to, that I noticed that is going to tie into something else later. Yeah, I think those are all my big spoiler notes. Sweet. <laughs> in that case, I think that's it for this episode. Alrighty. All right. So next time we're going to discuss chapters three and four. Um, and thanks for listening and for sticking through the spoilery section, if you did. Um, and uh, that's it for now. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>